Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Hey, Alan. I'm doing good, man. How about you? I am doing terrific. You know, Mark, I'm looking forward to today's episode. Today, we're doing Season 2, Episode 9, a.k.a. The Camel, a.k.a. many other a.k.a.s to come. But uh, yep. it's, a, it's an interesting episode, and I'm, I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you. It really is. You know, every time I'm watching one of these, it falls into one of two quick categories. Either it's an episode that I go, oh, yeah, I remember this one. Or it's one that for whatever reason, I, I feel like I've mostly forgotten it. And this one falls into that latter category. So it's been kind of entertaining to, to go over it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. And we'll, we'll probably both have something to say on that today. Okay, well, the camel first aired on the Camel first aired on November 12th, 2009. It was written by Rachel Axler and directed by Millicent Shelton. Now, Rachel, we know her already, Mark. We've already talked about her, I think, once before. She did three episodes of Parks and Rec. This was the third of three. Right. Um, she did a couple other episodes from season one, uh, also known from The Daily Show, New Girl, and Veep. So, nice. Pretty cool. Yeah. Millicent uh, has tons of TV directing credits, uh, including this one episode of Parks and Rec, some 30 Rock, uh, the reboot of the 90210 show that, you know, I know you love so much, such a fanboy of that, mm -hmm. um, Dallas and uh, Blackish. So a couple, couple awesome writer directors uh, for, for this episode. Awesome. So, Mark, I, I know that you and I talked a little bit off air and we should probably share with our viewers at home that uh, we're going to change things up a little bit this week. Yeah, we're going to keep it spicy. Keep it spicy. That's the theme <laughs> of the day. I like it. That's right. Yeah, I think uh, overall, not a big change, but we're, we, we're going to play with the order of operations a little bit so that we don't have so many spoilers up front. And uh, we're doing our best to kind of keep these at 90, 90 minutes or less. I, I think that's what, you know, I, I think we can share with the viewers. That's right. And, and Alan, we know they're not viewers, but the viewers at home that can see us, um, they, they have written in, in in piles and piles of mail and said, oh, please move some of the stuff that makes things spoilers to the end so we can thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy your awesome podcast. Uh, you know what? That's a great point. We, we you, you spoke and we listened. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Mark, with that said, um, I think you've got perhaps a, a couple synopses for us. Yes, thank you for using the proper uh, grammar, Alan. It is the synopsis, and I've got... Look, um, you don't have to admonish me twice. <laughs> uh, you're telling me once. Um, so so uh, I have a 16, 15... No, I have, I have it broken down into two. Yeah. Um, and I like to title them because I think I'm funny. And so the <laughs> first one, the A story, uh, I have as entitled, May the Best Mural Win. Love it. So I'll keep this very brief. Yeah. After one of the murals in City Hall is defaced, uh, this time with uh, chocolate pudding, I think, <laughs> the departments in City Hall compete with designs for a new mural. And Leslie and gang face adversities in the process, both from without the sewage department, another kind of lesser nemesis, apparently, and from within disagreement upon the rank, amongst the ranks, etc. Whose idea is the best? Who will win? Wait and see. Excellent. That was a great breakdown of the A story, Mark. What'd you have for the B story? Well, the B story, um, Alan, I, I like to title these. This cracks me up. Uh, you can't spell awkward without R-O-N, which I, I guess maybe you can, but, you know, I, I think <laughs> I'm funny. All right. So business is booming for Andy's shoe shine stand and wanting to show support. Ron decides to get his shoes shined. And in the process, 
Andy and Ron share an uncomfortable moment. Let's put it at that at the shoe shine <laughs> stand nice and, and, and are unsure of how to deal with it. And in the interest of not wanting to give spoilers, that's all I'm going to say for now. I love it. No, that's excellent. Great, great uh, synopsises as always, Mark. Thank you. Um, I think we we are going to keep the AKAs at this early before the breakdown, since that still makes sense for us to do so. I think there's to remind our viewers at home, you know, Mark and I are, are, are never going to be outdone by NBC. We'll, we'll take their title and then we'll double down on it. So that's right. Um, you know, the official title, The Camel. Actually, I think it's one of their more creative ones, frankly. It comes from a line of dialogue and uh, it's apropos of the episode for sure. I would agree. It's it's not just like Leslie and gang do mural stuff. <laughs> well, apparently that was on the draft script. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that I in the it. commentary. Oh, wait, there was no commentary. I made wow. that up. Oh, well, that is the commentary then. You're right. It was my commentary. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. Um, you any AKAs for us? Would you, would, would, you, would you come up with this week? Well, I came up with, see, you've got me nervous now. Every okay. single time we come to the AKAs, I think, you know, I could just do one like a normal person. Sure. But is Alan a normal person? I, I have to figure, no. figure that into it. So I did two. Thinking you do six, at least you're not going to show me up too badly. Fair enough. Um, and, you know, we've already kind of tipped our hand that this has to do with murals. And both of my AKAs have to do with different people trying to describe murals, specifically their murals, the one their teams have done. Yeah. So the first one is from Fire Chief Connor, and he's describing uh, a mural that his team did and he's describing different things on it and it's kind of silly and ridiculous. And at one point it just cracked me up. He points to a, por a portion of the mural and he says, apropos of nothing, this, as you can see, is an attractive lady with a hamburger for a head. <laughs> That's a great one. <laughs> Which I got to tell you, if I ever met a lady with a hamburger for a head, I would have taken her to prom. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. You don't yeah. even have to go to dinner. No, you just kind of, you don't need your ear, do you? I don't know, that got dark. Anyway, <clears throat> so that's one of them. I mean, you know, Mayor McCheese scarred me for life. That's all I'm saying. That, that um, will scar a young man. <laughs> all right. So the second one is Leslie explaining the design of the Parks Department. Okay. And, and I think they're in front of the judges at one point, and they asked who someone was carrying and she answered, oh, who is he carrying? Jesus, Greg Kinnear. <laughs> and that just cracked me up because you're unlikely to hear that combination of words anywhere else. So it just made me laugh. Very true. So, all right. What'd you have? Well, so you had two officially or is that three, Mark? I lost count in there. Um, it was just two. It was two. Okay. Fire Chief so, Connor and then Leslie. All right. So I, I did four. So, you know, <laughs> look, I mean, proportionality, that's about right. I'm sorry. Let me do that again. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So, so, okay. So two of mine were from the A story. They're art related. And two of mine were actually from the B story. Oh, nice. Okay. So, and uh, the B story ones are probably my favorite, but I'll save those for a moment. Um, I did enjoy the A story as well. So I had two on the A story and they're actually, <laughs> they're technically, I think, uh, if I look here, uh, yeah, they're both from Tom. So, um, you know, again, it's a it's a little hard not to be a little spoilerish here, but I know we decided to try to keep this uh, as spoiler free as possible. And yet, here right. I go. Right. Um, 
so the first one was from Tom and uh, he, you know, we'll learn that he, uh, he has a reaction to the art, you know, he, that, that they, he has uh, done. And he says, a piece of art caused me to have an emotional reaction. Is that normal? So, <laughs> Very nice. I like that one. And, uh, you know, also as part of that plot line, you know, <laughs> he, he gets increasingly frustrated with the art student later in the show and uh, just, you know, doesn't like what he's done and simply just screams, shut up and do more art for me. So, which I thought was great. That You know what, not only is that a great selection, I almost chose that. And thought, Did you really? Oh, if I do, worlds are going to collide. Well, I know. It's happen. It, would, it hasn't it happened yet. happened, yep. Of course, you're not done, so I don't know. Yeah, I I I I think one of the the second T-shirt we offer here in our in our merch shop should be the "Shut Up and Do More Art for Me" shirt. I love it. Yeah, well, let's get Constantine on that, please. Okay. All right, my last two AKAs are, are probably my favorites, and um, this comes from the awkwardness. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, the first one is from Ron. He said, "Sometimes a sound is just a sound." <laughs> Yes, <laughs> calling Dr. Freud. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely Freudian there for sure. And then um, I, my favorite one came from Andy. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Andy, this I feel like this summarizes my philosophy on life in general. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know I'm doing it really, really well. <laughs> you know, that is the second of the four that you chose that I was just a hair's width away yep. from, from choosing. And I thought, no, Alan's going to choose four. So I'll let him have that. Not shocked. Those, those thank you. Good. Thank you as always, Mark, for letting me have what I want. Certainly. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that pretty well covers up the AKAs. I think um, we're going to actually get into the episode breakdown now. That's right. That's All right. right. Well, I have a starting off this episode. Um, you know, we we uh, we haven't really talked through the cold open yet, and I think that's actually what we're going to do as part of the episode breakdown going forward, right? Yeah, that's right. I think that we're going to try and include, you know, both the cold open and the kicker, you know, soup to nuts, if you will, yep. just scene by scene through through the whole thing. So, yeah. All right, well, let's do it. So we'll start off with the cold open. We open with the city manager, Paul. He's addressing basically the employees of City Hall. He's explaining that one of the more offensive murals of City Hall, uh, I a.k.a. the spirit of Pawnee, has uh, once again been defaced, and nope. uh, he's got a plan to help replace it. That's right. Well, apparently, the city council decided to change the mural. I guess they're tired of it being defaced, and so to that end, they decided that the different departments uh, would each submit a mural concept design the next day, and that the winner would be selected as, uh, as the design for the replacement mural. And uh, I think I may have mentioned this in the synopsis. Um, Joe from the sewage department uh, ru rudely sewage makes Joe. it clear. Sewage Joe, baby. Uh, he rudely makes it clear that, uh, you know, the sewage department is going to win and they have the best interns, you know, um, and that the <laughs> parks department sucks, which is kind of interesting because, you know, they, they, like I said, they set him up to be kind of a, a minor nemesis. I mean, yeah. uh, he's yeah. nothing compared to Pachitis or the library, of course. Correct. Yeah, I loved uh, I love the interchange between Leslie and Joe here. And she said, you know, <laughs> he's like, hey, Leslie, what's your design going to be a tree? Yeah, he's <laughs> a sharp one. Yeah, he is. <laughs> She's like, Joe, you work in sewage. Your department literally specializes in crap. Whatever. <laughs> Good one. 
That's a good one. So it's a funny cold open. You know, I think probably the funniest thing about it is, you know, Joe's done, he's ready to roll and he's like, you know, sewage, let's, let's go. And they cut to, you know, two extremely attractive young women who are apparently interns in the sewage department. Well, and not just attractive young women. I mean, they, I, I think they're scantily clad, aren't they? Yeah, they weren't wearing extra clothing. Yeah, well, nice. <laughs> well, well said. And then all Tom's right. like, how does sewage department get all the good interns? That's the great. I don't know, Tom. Yeah. If only. All right. Well, from here, we, 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 we've finished the cold open. We're going to kick off the regular episode post credits. And Leslie has the team gathered in the conference room, and she's pitching the idea that the parks department should get together and submit their own mural entry. That's right. You know, Leslie's talking with the gang. So I guess that makes the cold open plot relevant here. You know, it, it does. And I actually wrote that down and I forgot to say it. So, so good on you. Thanks. Yeah. Man. So yeah, Leslie is talking with the gang about how this could be, you know, another chance for a legacy. I guess the, the pit or I'm sorry, the lot is not enough of a legacy. So she's, you know, she's greedy. She wants multiple. Right. And you she can have she, two. That's right. You can, you can have multiple legacies. Um, so, you know, she's trying to get the gang as pumped as possible, which, you know, eh, only, only so-so. I don't know that they're really into it. But she she orders them all after Ron boredly backs her play, uh, do what Leslie says, um, <laughs> to go design a mural. With these specs, she says, I want you to go and find the spirit of Pawnee and make me a sketch. And it needs to be breathtaking and, and moving and historical and better than every department. And you have one hour. Go. <laughs> Designers, make it work. <laughs> Tim Gunn. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who uh, tend to watch those kind of shows at home, I'm not one of them. But, you know, I hear it's good. <laughs> All right. From here, we we uh, we cut to our other storyline. And we're, we're, we find ourselves, we're at Andy Shoeshine. What, what do we call this thing? I, I can shoe shine stand. Stand, thank you. We find ourselves where we're at Andy's shoe shine stand, and it seems like business is booming. And uh, you know, now that we're under new management, and uh, Ron walks up. That's right. You know, like you said, business is booming, and we see Andy smiling. He's uh, enthusiastic. Um, he seems to be really making an effort and kind of you know proud of himself and. Um, he asks Ron if he wants a shine and, and he even lets Ron cut in line, which makes, which makes some customers mad. Um, and there's a, a brief talking head by Ron where he says how impressed he is with Andy. You know, he pulls himself up by his bootstraps, etc. cetera. Um, and during the shine, Andy notices Ron's bunion and Ron comments that while his bunion is normally excruciating, somehow during the shine, it's been quote reduced to a faint growl. <laughs> um, and, you know, Alan, a quick note here, I think that uh, one of the customers he, uh, you know, in quotes, abuses, um, the one that he lets Ron cut in line before, yep. becomes one of his regulars. Like, I don't, I can't know, I don't know his name, but I kind of recognize him. Did you Kyle. notice that? Is his name Kyle? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, I don't want to jump line here and talk about first and tropes, but Kyle will be on that list. Gotcha. Nicely done. Okay. Yep. 
So from the Shoeshine booth, we were back and we're, uh, we, we actually are in a new location. We've never been, I'm not sure we'll ever go again. We, we're, we, we, we're, we see this exterior sign, PSAU, which apparently stands for the Pawnee School of the Arts University. That's right. <laughs> made it's me a little, laugh. A little awkward. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, Alan, these next four scenes are kind of interesting because each of these next four scenes, they're pretty short, yeah. but it's, it's going along with four of the six people being Tom and Leslie and April and right. what they're doing in their attempt to make their mural design. That's so correct. Th this one yep. in, in particular is Tom's, right? Um, so all these will be pretty brief. Um, Tom goes to the, the PSAU, baby, and <laughs> he's talking to Arnold, an abstract expressionist art student, and he he throws a $20 bill at him and he says, give me $20 worth of art. And Tom is a little bit befuddled at the end product, which he says looks like a lizard puking up Skittles. Um, he's like, whatever, <laughs> I'm out 20 bucks. Like he's clearly not happy with the end result, but you know, whatever. I mean, I only, only got an hour and I only got 20 bucks. So he takes it and he leaves. Right. And, and we'll, we'll be back to PSAU PSAU here a little bit later, but you're exactly right. Next, we're in the conference room. And I think right at this point, we're going to kind of see a little bit of what Anne, Leslie, and April are, are, are all doing in order to come up with their submissions. That's right. So Anne's is very, very brief. She appears to be working at one of the central tables, I think maybe in the bullpen or yeah. maybe in one of the meeting rooms, but she's, yeah. she's kind of working in arts and crafts. Like she's got magazines and paper and <laughs> glue and scissors and that sort of thing. And um, you know, it, she has a brief talking head where she just says, well, you know, look, I'm a terrible artist, but I'm determined to help if I can. The Parks Department has done a lot for me, but she does contemplate just giving everyone free flu shots instead because she, like, <laughs> like she said, she sucks as an artist, so she's yep. not sure what she can do. Yep. And then I, I think just, again, these are all really brief. We, we jump to uh, Leslie and she appears to be Ellen, I think she's just walking around studying different pieces in different places. And I think she's trying to draw inspiration. Yeah, she's trying to get inspired here. And then we learn about this, uh, you know, ongoing mural nightmare she has. <laughs> yeah, the talking head was interesting. You know, she I mean, she starts out by saying designing a mural has been my dream, which you think to yourself, OK, that's a nice. Sure. Uh, like sweet little bland thing to say. And then she's like, no, I'm, I mean this literally. I, I had a. I had a dream and then it turned into a nightmare and the mural came alive and tried to eat me. And, you know, it, it turned dark real fast, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, quick note there. Yeah. The, the talking head was from Leslie's office as it yeah. often is. And she's behind yeah. her desk. And I noticed behind her, well, for the audience, it would be the right. I'm going to say behind her right shoulder, there's a shot of a pigeon. Is that a common thing? Yes. Yeah, the actually, if you notice a lot of the the bullpen scenes um, and Mark's office, anything that overlooks at any point the courtyard, they almost always had actual live trained pigeons in those windows um, to kind of create just some background activity and motion to, and, and to remind us that, you know, they're all kind of surrounding this outside courtyard. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think it literally may appear in every episode. We've never really talked about it as a trope, but I mean, it, it kind of is in a way. You know, that that's really smart. And now that you mention it, I'm, I'm sure you're right. And I think that a sign of how effective that is, is, is as cheesy as this is going to sound, is I never noticed it before. It just seems so natural, you know, but but you're right. Yeah. Um, 
so from there we have a very short i want to say maybe eight second uh scene with april and right it's mostly visual quite frankly she, it is. we see an outside shot of her and she's standing in a dumpster and <laughs> she just says my piece is going to capture the spirit of pawnee and then she starts kneeling down and getting garbage and that's yeah that's, that that scene was a <laughs> that scene was a little longer i think if you include the deleted scene um you know it's worth mentioning there was you know that would have made that scene a little longer but mostly even that she's just looking she's like leslie at this point really you know leslie's wandering the halls looking for inspiration well a april went to the dumpster <laughs> so yeah. that may say something about april that's where she gets her inspiration there you go all right. Well, from here, we're back at the shoe shine stand and Andy's continuing to see good business. And uh, Ron is like back for a second time. Yeah, he, he comes up and, and I, I think he he got a little impatient for Andy to notice him. So he kind of like puts his foot up on the stand, you know, just kind of <laughs> kneeling right there, just kind of relax. It's kind of a just, Michael Scott move. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, just to get Andy's attention and um, and he looks up and, and Ron mentions like, oh, shoot, I noticed a, a scuff on, on my recently beautiful shine shoes. And we get a quick uh, flashback to Ron scuffing his shoes on purpose. Clearly, he wanted a reason, you know, to ostensibly go back there a second time. And, you know, Ron's trying to act nonchalant, but he's like, I, I guess I'll take another full polish. Um, can, can I cut in line again? <laughs> And, and at this point, Andy's still pretty pleased. You know, Andy beams at him and he looks at the camera. And um, I think this is where he has this quick talking head that was one of your eight yep. or so uh, AKAs where <laughs> hey, he's like, four. you know, I, I feel right at home as a shoe shiner. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know I'm doing it really, really well. Quote yep. Alan Piercy. Yep, there you have it. Buy the t-shirt. So we're back in the bullpen and the team members are each presenting kind of their suggestion for the Parks Department submission for the mural contest. That's right. Leslie uh, has an easel up and asks each of the gang to come up and present their designs. And it, it seems like they all kind of have their thing. You know, Anne goes first and she reminds everybody that she has little artistic talent. Um, but she shows a park scene that's apparently made up of different things cut out of a magazine. It's not real great. I think Tom summarizes it best. Like that looks like something a death row <laughs> convict would make in art does. therapy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I Tom, tried, <laughs> you know, and the Anne gets a little mad like, what do you got? And so Tom goes next and he, he simply comes up there and just starts swinging from the get-go, bragging that this is some professional-ass art right here. Um, and Leslie doesn't get it, and Tom's like, well, come on, Leslie, there's some shapes here. And, you know, I don't think Tom knows what to say of it at first. No. And then, strangely, he's kind of drawn into the art as he's looking at it, trying to figure out how to explain it to Leslie. And I think that's another one of your AKAs where there's a quick talking head, like a piece of art causing me to have an emotional reaction. Is that normal? <laughs> so now Tom is kind of fascinated with his own art, which is interesting. Yeah. Gives you the impression Tom might be a little vapid in his life to this, to this point, but uh, you know, he's going to grow here a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Next comes Donna. Oh, and I love this one. Apparently, Donna has done a take on Leonardo da Vinci's The Last Supper. Well, sure. But with Indiana celebrities. So, for example. <laughs> there's um, so many. Surround, there's so many. Uh, surrounding the table. Let me just list them off. John yeah, Mellencamp, Larry Bird, Michael Jackson, David Letterman, Vivica A. Fox, uh, Jesus Greg Kinnear. 
Um, I love, she goes, this is where it gets a little dicey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she named the big ones and then she's like, okay, so I had trouble filling out the rest of the places around that there table there. Yeah. So she used a NASCAR. <laughs> of course. Um, her friend, Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Swanson. There's a big Ron Swanson, you know, head yeah. interspersed there among like yeah. David Letterman stuff. Very funny. Um, then Jerry comes up and Jerry shows them a beautiful, skillfully made pointillism mural design. I know. And the overall picture, it's it, it, the overall thing is like a picture of City Hall and it's comprised of tiny little photos of the Pawnee citizens. It's, it's really well done. It's beautiful. Yeah. But unfortunate for Jerry, as he's presenting it, instead of calling it his mural, he calls it his murinal, sending the <laughs> gang into hysterics. And then they tease him mercilessly. Yeah. And ultimately, he's done at that point. Yeah. And they ultimately end up dismissing what was undoubtedly the best candidate of all. Hashtag PBJ. <laughs> PBJ. <laughs> Tom goes, Jerry, go to the doctor. You might have a urinary tract infection. <laughs> or, or that thing April said, hey, Jerry, why don't you take it to the bathroom so someone can urinate all over it? <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of April, hers is next. Yes, and that's right. She calls hers a multimedia project, which I guess is code for garbage. Um, so hey, it hey, hey, be careful there. I was a multimedia artist at one point. Oh, uh, sorry. Anyway, so the um, the awesome multimedia project, which is not yeah. hardly garbage, um, but really is, it's comprised of a, a bunch of rats, not live rats, just made from garbage, you know, right, good of course, um, garbage rats, a TV screen showing knee surgeries, <laughs> a human sized hamster wheel. I think they just had a normal size for the display, uh, right, which right. the, the human sized hamster wheel was empty. But you know, Alan, it would theoretically uh, have a fat guy running in it, of course, uh, <laughs> and, and eating beef and bleeding from the mouth. I don't know. I couldn't follow everything she was saying. Um, and then Leslie simply asks, Why? And April responds, If you have to ask, you don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> With all good art that's absolutely true yeah i yeah. think april's is is you know maybe a um more of a model of what would be built at full scale had she the budget to do this thing right you know she can't build a human size hamster wheel yet but you know if they get the commission then obviously that's going to happen i, I oh, think that's, that's gonna where happen her yeah that's where her head is so yeah and i just know in my heart that she would lobby for jerry to be running in there <laughs> well she didn't say jerry but you know she was thinking it yeah i think she may have like sneaked him a glance or something i don't know maybe not anyway yeah. the, so the last one of the six is leslie yeah and leslie doesn't think the others got the assignment i think she may have said that in a brief talk yeah head. she got a um, real quick talking head yeah and she finally presents her mural it's it's a scene showing the pawnee <laughs> bread factory which we've heard about before we have um, burning down on june 8th 1922 it's like a black and white burning building and leslie yeah. mentions it's the town's most famous event and that people love voting for tragedy you know this yeah. the, the way lost she a lot it, of good bread that day i know <laughs> uh <laughs> and, you know people too but you know no you one's know, superman but lots of bread <laughs> yeah and and she kind of ends up describing it like saying look you know people like voting for tragedy right so like this is our holocaust movie this is our english patient and Anne kind of calls her out a little bit and suggests that she's exploiting the tragedy. But Leslie just takes it as a compliment. Like, oh, yeah, Anne gets it. <laughs> <laughs> and then with that, Leslie says, okay, everybody, we're going to vote. 
And so I guess they tried to do some sort of secret ballot and then we'll, we'll see. Uh, then, oh, then we find out yeah, it right results away. in unsurprisingly a yeah. six way tie. Huh? Weird. Yeah. Everyone voted for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, from for, that's a pretty long sequence. And then we take a quick break from that to, to visit in on our B story real quick. And uh, this one for me, Mark, etches a permanent, uh, I can't unsee it, can't unhear it moment in my mind that I'll never, never forget. I, I completely agree. There, there are a handful of scenes from Parks and Rec as a series that with, <laughs> without fail, yeah. every single time, it doesn't matter what my state of mind is, what I'm doing, every single time I will see it, I will bust up in giggles. Yep. So I'm going to try really hard to get through this. All right. We'll see how I do. Um, so Andy's shining Ron's shoes again. And <laughs> yeah, the see, third time. Uh, yeah, Andy glances at the camera and whispers, third time today. <laughs> um, and eyes closed. So, uh, um, Ron is clearly... <laughs> Is Ron is clearly enjoying the shoe shine, but then <laughs> make some sort of some sort of weird semi-sexual like growling. It's like a, a walrus is turned on or something. It's not right. And yeah. Andy glances up, not knowing at all what to make of this ron <laughs> continues to make the noises a little bit i think realizes andy stopped shining his shoes ron finally opens his eyes andy and ron just stare at each other for about eight to ten seconds yeah. in one of the most deliciously awkward <laughs> scenes i've ever witnessed oh my gosh oh god uh, andy has his little what the bleep talking head so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he he's like he's full of disgust, but like nervous laughter too. Like, whoa, what the bleep, man! And then to to contrast that, you know, Ron has oh, yeah. a, talk, a brief, very brief of his um, own, yeah, talking head from his office. Like, I I, I don't know what happened, frankly. <laughs> and this is over the video of Ron trying to awkwardly hand money to Andy without oh, their hands God. touching so funny <laughs> and then ron slowly walks away and so ron says to the camera i emitted a noise the noise was involuntary sometimes your aka yeah a sound is just a sound you know oh my gosh so freaking funny uh, so classic you know it's like only like eight lines of dialogue but it's a, like a couple minute sequence and it's just it's hysterical the whole thing uh, i love the physical comedy yeah mm. no it's good stuff well, from here, we have a pair of scenes uh, kind of back to back where Leslie is, is trying to break the five, the six way tie and, and, you know, figure out which of these pieces they can present, um, you know, but then the game kind of turns on itself. Right, right. Like the snake eating its own tail. Yep. Well, probably not like, I don't know. Something anyway, like that. <laughs> Leslie asked the gang, like, whose can we eliminate? And that makes the gang squabble. Then they're yeah. like, oh, yours sucks. No, yours sucks. And there are several funny exchanges. Um, this is a great example, by the way, this scene of them using their deep comedic bench. Like everybody is getting some really good screen time here. Yeah. Yeah. I've got something um, to say on that later. And so finally, Leslie decides, look, we're going to make a new design, taking the best parts of each one. How could this possibly be a loser? Like she said in her talking head, it would be like if you got Michelangelo and Andy Warhol and Jackson Pollock and Jim Davis from Garfield. 
to do one painting. Imagine how good that paint would be. Holy crap. So good. And then they, they cut to the six of them standing in front of the easel, looking at a weird, weird combination of all of their stuff. And everybody is clearly uh, uncomfortable, confused, nonplussed. They don't really know what to say. And, and I, I think Leslie tries to save it by going, oh, I, I think it's really good. And no one says anything. And then she says, uh, I'll be right back. And then yeah. she, we see her walk out of the room. Yeah. Well, you know, I think at this point, right before she leaves, I'm thinking this composite they've put together, right, is is a little bit like April's in, in the sense that it's a bunch of stuff that doesn't really mean anything with any relation to each other, all presented as a single art form. You know, April's was that by itself. And now it definitely is when you've combined all six of these art pieces. You know what? I hadn't even considered that. You're right. I think both are a collage in their own right. It's just yeah. now April's is a sub collage within a greater collage. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. You'll well, so as, as Mark said, Leslie bolts out of the room, you know, kind of quickly, even though she's complimented it, you know, she's seen this horrific montage and she, her first instinct is to head to Mark for some help. Yep. Yep. We, we kind of go back to her roots. She used to go to the Brindanowitz whenever she needed, you know, someone with, you know, a, a human head, yep. a human head, as we like to say, you know, pulling yes. them out of their, their mess there. And so Leslie goes into Mark's office. He's very busy. Like, look, I'm really, really swamped. Like, but this is important. We need you to look at art. <laughs> okay. Um, so well, first he tries to trick her or she tries to trick him. And she says, I think Anne's in trouble. I, I think she took some pills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have I got your attention now? Okay. <laughs> right. She didn't really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's okay, fine. So he comes in and he looks at it and he hears Leslie describe what they did, you know, combine all the parts from their things. and Right. And the Mark, rest of the team's there too, right? So you know, yes. she's brought, brought him back out in front of the team. Yes. All, team, all six team members, including Leslie, are there with Mark looking at it. And Leslie's explaining to Mark, you know, yeah, we took something from everybody's. And Mark goes, oh, you've, you've made an ugly camel. And they, I guess they didn't know the saying. So he goes on to say, well, look, a camel was actually a horse designed by a committee. And what Love you it. guys have here is one ugly camel. Yep. Um, and then I, I think this was the same scene. It was kind of hard to tell. Leslie follows Mark, I think, back to his office. So it's just the two of them at this point. Right. Exactly. And she asks him as one as the only one of them, as she said, who's actually got any artistic talent to design something for them. And Mark tries to protest, but Leslie is persistent and grinds him down until fine. He's yeah. OK, fine. I'll do it. He complies. Yep. No, good call. Well, I think right after that, you know, Mark, we, we take a slight break, we come back and Mark is presenting this art piece that Leslie's talked him into creating so that they've got any chance of winning whatsoever. But, but the team is not impressed. Yeah, it's interesting. Presumably some time has passed because yeah. I'm going to say a few hours, right? I mean, I think he cranked it out pretty quick or at least one. I mean, yeah, it wasn't yeah. five minutes. Good point. Um, but it was it was skillfully enough done that I doubt it could have been done like much less than ever. Anyway, yeah. Good so point. We, we have a camera shot of the gang hanging out in the bullpen, not doing anything. They're looking bored, like they're waiting for him, you know, to get done. Mark comes back in and puts a bland but skillfully done sketch of an old man feeding pigeons in a park um, on the easel <laughs> for them to see. And the group immediately protests, especially when implying that this bland thing is better than their more personal pet projects. Um, and Mark simply explains, look, I'm not saying that this is any good. I'm saying that this will win. 
its mass appeal. And at this point, Ron happens to walk into the bullpen and sees well, Mark's- Before that, I, I, love, yeah. I love Tom's response. <laughs> he goes, there's not even one shape in there, Mark. <laughs> He's where so, are the shapes? Yeah, where are the shapes? <sighs> he is so taken with that art. That's so funny. He is. Um, so at, at this point, Ron sees Mark's sketch and says how much he likes it. And they're like, you're kidding me. He's like, nope, that's going to win. And Leslie kind of nods and kind of sees Mark's point and, you know, that Ron likes it and everything. And so despite the gang. It comforts him. Yeah, it, it comforts him. I think after what's just happened, he really needs some comfort. He needs it. Yeah. So after the gang's continued protest, Leslie decides to play it safe and use Mark's bland but likely to win designed for their mural submission. And I think this scene ends with a quick talking head from Leslie where, where she's saying, you know, yes, we're a team, but I'm the team leader and I made a bold decision. We're playing it safe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, from here, I know that the, they took a quick break. And uh, when we come back, it's going to be day two and the day that the art will be judged. So should we take a real quick break as well, Mark? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Well, we'll be right back, everybody. Do you suffer from ingrown toenails, heel spurs, or uncontrollable foot odor? Do you have a bunion that is practically its own toe? Have you filled up one too many loyalty reward cards at the local shoeshine stand? Well, make alternate plans to see a professional before you wear out your welcome or make awkward noises of temporary relief. Hello. I'm Ron Swanson, and I am here today to recommend local Pawnee podiatrist, Dr. Harold Falange. Yes, that is his real name. Dr. Harry, as he prefers to be called, will help you find better foot health no matter what ails you. As Pawnee's premier podiatrist, Dr. Harry is board certified and specializes in all common foot problems, including corns, calluses, nail infections, heel pain, hammer toes, arthritis, and diabetic neuropathy of the feet. Maybe from a little too much sweetums, if you know what I mean. So if you care about your feet, come and take a seat. <laughs> that rhymes. At Dr. Harry Falange's Pawnee Podiatry. You'll be glad you did. Tell them Ron sent you and receive a free tube of Harry's heel balm to help soothe those dry and cracked heels before they turn into cloven hooves like my ex-wife Tammy's. Either of them. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, when we come back, it's the next day and we're in some sort of like little waiting room outside of, I believe, the city manager's conference room. And uh, it, it appears that some of the teams have just begun presenting their submissions. Yeah, you know, Alan, that's a good point. I wasn't sure officially what room that was. I just yeah. noted it as the judge's room. So there's like a little, let's call it a lobby. I don't know. That's like Yeah, right I feel like a there. lobby and it feels like maybe it's the city manager's personal conference room. I, that's that very I well could it. be. Yeah. Right. And um, so we, we see departments or representatives for d different departments going in, you know, getting their stuff judged. And Leslie is there with Mark. We see them seated in the lobby. You know, presumably their uh, presentation is, is, is upcoming very shortly. 
and we see a sewage Joe, which I can't call him anything else but that now. Yep. Um, we see sewage Joe walk out of the room, the judge's room, and he arrogantly brags, you know, that theirs <clears throat> is going to win. And uh, once he leaves, Leslie voices some concern to Mark about, you know, the, the sewage there, their, 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 their thing is pretty good. And Mark assures her they, they, it will not win. They went too over patriotic. It's a classic mistake. Yeah, it's uh, almost like it, it did feel very classic. It felt almost like a, a post World War II or World War II era kind of poster. You know, it's got the plumber on there. It looked like he's doing something with the sewage pipe, and there's an eagle and lots of lots of stars and stripes. Oh, see, I thought that was a telescope and stuff. I just I interpreted that completely different. But it was, it was there was <laughs> I like that eagle there. Um, anyway, so it was very well done. But but as Mark points out even taking even doing something like being patriotic you're taking a stance and quote there is always someone who will oppose a stance us yeah. an old man feeding a pigeon no stance absolutely no point of view whatsoever good point well from here then i think we uh we we wrap up the b story finally uh we're, we're <laughs> You know, we we're in this courtyard initially. We got this little bit of a voiceover slash talking head of Ron's, and then uh, we're going to encounter uh, Ron and Andy are going to encounter each other in the hallway unavoidably. Yeah, you know, we see Ron and Andy walking in the hallway. They're walking towards each other, and they make eye contact. And Andy looks alarmed and like tries nonchalantly but desperately <laughs> to try and get out of the way, like moving past other people. Yep. Um, he ultimately fails. And then turns to face him. Oh, Ron, hi, I didn't see you. What's up? Um, so long story short, the two talk awkwardly about yesterday. And they finally painfully awkwardly come to the mutual conclusion that they will not ever, ever, ever talk about it again. Ending with both of them turning around and awkwardly walking in the other direction away from each other. And yeah, like you said, I that's kind of the end of that story arc. It is. I love in there, you know, they have that classic moment where, uh, you know, they agree that they'll never speak of it again. And Ron, you know, is trying to kind of be slick about it. And you know, it, it goes over Andy's head. You know, he says, won't talk about what. And Andy's like, the moan, Ron, you know, the moan. <laughs> I told the next lady in line about it. She thought it was some sort of animal. <laughs> I wondered because right. when I saw her, I saw Ron walk away from that second scene there. That lady is standing right there and she, you can kind of see this look on her face like what the F just happened. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, when we come back from that scene, you know, we've wrapped up the B story. We're about to wrap up the A story as well. And we've got a couple of back to back scenes here where ultimately the parks team is finally going to get to present the camel, uh, you know, to and to the uh, to Paul and the rest of the committee. Yeah, you know, Leslie and Mark are still in the lobby and Leslie witnesses the uh, Pawnee Fire Department and all their members all discussing their yeah, chief and, Connor and, and they're laughing. Right. And that this is where one of my AKAs came from. Um, Fire Chief Connor uh, has a brief good-natured chat with Leslie about how, you know, we aren't really artists in the fire department, Leslie, but we gave it a shot and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, yep. he's going through their mural and he's pointing out different things like the attractive lady with a hamburger for a head, long with Mayor <laughs> McCheese. Um, and his nephew. And his nephew. Um, <laughs> and it's obviously as ridiculous as the Parks Department mural was, but, you know, it was a true mismatch of things that don't go together. A camel, right? But the fire department's laughing and bonding over their mural and yeah. Leslie's watching all this and she kind of sighs wistfully and, and Mark finally says, Leslie, 
go ahead. Camel's way more fun. Yeah. And so we see Leslie smile and she goes with next scene kind of, or the cutaway is we see Leslie talking to the gang who I think is in the hallway right outside the lobby. Like they're, yeah, that's what I had as well. Yeah. They're just right there. And she tells them guys, I want my team back. We're going to use the team mural. After all, my team made this hot, (laughs) crazy (laughs) camel mess. And that's what we're going to submit. Even if we lose, I mean, God, I hope we win, but we're definitely going to lose. And, you know, that's not the greatest pump up speech, but the team is like smiling and they're oddly encouraged and they're energized by this. And they kind of proudly jump up and they're like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, you know, they're going to show their, their team design. That's right. And Mark just kind of sits there and smiles as he watches them go. Cause he knows camels are more fun. Absolutely. In the next scene, we're actually in the city manager's conference room and uh, Paul and the rest of the committee are, are starting to ask some questions about the park submission. Yeah, yeah. There are three judges seated at a table. One is the city manager, Paul Iresco, and there's a a, a woman and and another man. And um, the six members of the parks department are standing there, you know, next to their mural design on the easel in front of them. And um, like you said, the judges start asking questions like, you know, (laughs) Paul says, uh, what are the shapes? And Anne's like, the shapes are awesome is what they are. You can't handle it. Um, And I have to mention Paul says, no, I actually kind of like them. And Tom has his brief OMG moment to the camera, his open mouth grin when he says yep, that, which I love did. it. Um, but, and I won't go through everything, but there are some very sweet moments in this scene, you know, because you remember at one point they were at each other's throats and they're, they're kind of defending each other's preferences to the judges as they ask questions, you know, like they really kind of came together and bonded. They, um, they did in, in defense of each other and, uh, yeah, they, <laughs> I mean, look, you're, you're having to uh, defend this mural where clearly <laughs> you've got Michael Jackson, Greg Kinnear, and, you know, some other weird stuff all in the same uh, presentation. And, and, it, and I think just really briefly, my favorite exchange is that the woman uh, judge says, well, oh, is yeah. that Michael Jackson? And, and Donna's like, yeah, he, he's there. He's the pride <laughs> of Indiana. And, and she says, who is he carrying? And Leslie says, Jesus, Greg Kinnear, which is my AKA. And it's like, duh. And then Paul, like, yeah. So Michael carries, that's what Michael does. He carries Jesus, Greg Kinnear. And Paul says, oh, well, it looks like Michael Jackson is carrying Jesus, Greg Kinnear into the burning building. I know. And and Leslie says quickly, oh, well, that's because he's moonwalking. (laughs) (laughs) So he's going the other way. And April lost it she's cracking up now and yeah. so they're all laughing even just at the ridiculous of it and like there you go the spirit of pawnee yeah well then we got that brief talking head i think with leslie in the kitchen saying basically they didn't win right and, and we see and basically which so, so three things here one thing is she says like the end to the plot so to speak is yeah the government <laughs> realized you know what it's gonna cost a ton of money so we're not gonna do it <laughs> we're, we're just going to restore the old one and change the title to the diversity express that'll work yep done second Problem solved yeah. second is there was a very sweet camera shot of the six of them um standing by their camel mural and they yep. they, they they hung it on the wall and yeah. so you know this is this is by us 2009 so it's a very sweet um and the other thing is mark happens to be walking by ron's office and sees ron hanging up his sketch and Mark kind of smiles, you know, and, and Ron looks at him, gives him a little thumbs up there. And, and Alan, I was wondering, I know last week 
we had the breakfast food thing go up in Ron's right. office. And we right. know that that stays up for the rest of the series. I yep, can't recall call if this does. I, I don't know. I know that there are some other accoutrement in, in Ron's office that, you know, does kind of is is clearly there for the long haul. You know, the piece from World War II, you know, kind of the beach implement there to oh, yeah. you know, break up ships and stuff like that. You yeah. know, that's a long, long time piece. You know, the shotgun, that kind of disappears, though. Um, <laughs> several other pieces come and go. And I just don't know about this one. I, I wondered the same thing. Maybe one of the viewers at home can let us know. Oh, if you know at home, write in. We, Alan, we have the smartest viewers, even though we know they're not viewers. Um, <laughs> Do I, they know they're not viewers? I don't, shh, they don't know that yet. All right. I don't want to break it to them. All right. Well, I think all that's left in this episode, Mark, is the kicker. We're, we're back at uh, Pawnee School of the Arts University. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Tom, Tom is like uh, into this art thing. He needs oh, yeah, more. yeah, yeah. Well, you had threatened that we are going to find our way back here. And indeed we did in the kicker. So he's talking to his buddy, uh, Arnold, again. Um, did he have a name? I didn't. Arnold. I just wrote artist. Uh, he is an okay. artist. So you're correct. But his name is Arnold. Fair he's enough. a human being, Alan. Um, <laughs> so uh, the artist, Arnold, um, the abstract yeah. expressionist. Apparently, yes. Tom is doing what he does best. He's throwing money at a problem. Right. And he's, he's clearly hoping to catch that lightning in a bottle that occurred the first time with, it, yeah, with the first one. With the but shapes. Yeah. He is churning, Arnold is churning out art after art after art. We see a pile of it there and apparently it's doing nothing for Tom and Tom is doing more <laughs> and more frustrated and just throws another 20 at him and go, no, you do more art for me. Shut up and do more art for me. That's one of your AKs. I love it. Yep. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, Arnold's a little pissed because like, look, I have actual assignments for art school. Shut up and do more art for me. Throws money at him. <laughs> and, and one of my favorite moments of the scene is actually Tom. Sorry, there's a pile of, of the art yeah. that has apparently failed to capture yeah. that lightning in a bottle. To the camera, Tom reaches down, gets one off the top of the pile, holds it up for the camera to see and says, this one's racist. <laughs> <laughs> Throws it back down. And then I think it ends with just a very, very brief uh, uh, Tom talking head. He's oh. staring at the original art. That, this is the source of a great meme. This is this has made the internet, uh, you know, uh, wide for sure. That's right. He's like, it's beautiful. I've looked at this thing for five hours now. And then yeah. he's looking at the shapes. I like the green one and the red circle right here. I'm tearing up, man. <laughs> Cut to credits. I love it. Well, that was a great episode breakdown, Mark. And uh, I think next we're, as, as we mentioned, we kind of shuffled the order of operations just slightly this week. We're going to give this a try. And we're going to talk about deleted scenes and first tropes and goofs really quick. Yeah, you know, we found out before that sometimes when we would talk about deleted scenes, it sometimes contains plot relevant facts that we haven't really explored yet. So we right. wanted to kind of move it here. Um it seemed like this was a little light. I mean, it, yeah. on average, I've seen them be like 10, 8, 10, 12 minutes. This was yeah. like 244. Yeah, super short. Six scenes, I think I counted. So not a lot. And then you can almost argue it's four scenes because two of them were functional talking heads. I was going to say, count. I actually counted four, but I yep, think that's, that's why. why. Yep, yep. The only yep. one that I found that it was at all, they were okay, but I, I understand why they cut them. Um the only one I thought was kind of funny is where Ron's talking about cookies. It's the one I noted as well. And, and so basically <laughs> you keep me honest here, but the, the, the crux of it is this is when Ron comes in and says, you know, how soothing uh, Mark's sketch is to him. Yeah. He, he's and, kind of defensive about it actually. Yes, exactly. And, and he, um, 
and and he you know goes in there and he says you know this is really soothing to me and they're like wait are you are you that's ridiculous it's it's cookie cutter and you know <laughs> ron says exactly and then we have his talking head which ends the scene he basically says there's nothing wrong with a cookie cutter you know what you get with a cookie cutter perfectly shaped cookie would you rather eat a deformed gingerbread blob or a perfectly shaped little man? I'd rather eat a man. And then there's an awkward pause. Yeah. A, a, a cookie man. And then an awkward pause. You understand I'm talking about cookies, right? <laughs> well, you said this week you could not spell awkward without R-O-N, and you were That's right. That's right. You certainly can't. You know, the only other one that stood out to me, Mark, and you're right, most of these, you know, I see why they got cut. I just thought it was kind of an inventive little prank that tom played on on oh, leslie yeah. yep. he, he brings in the the sarah palin you know going rogue rogue book and uh and and you know says that that you know sarah signed it and sent it over you know and prescribed it to leslie and there's apparently a reason why and uh she opens up the book and there's she gets mentioned in the book or at least we think she does yeah. right right yeah because uh, tom enters that fake page and <laughs> and or, or I guess it was pages because then it goes on to say like and, and you know and Tom Haverford is what keeps me warm at night imagining his thighs yeah. I mean it just gets bad <laughs> it gets it turns really really uh, embarrassing and but you're yeah. right you're, that was a very very creative prank um, it was yeah. I understand why they cut it but very funny yeah very funny stuff so well and, and you know I think it's 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 evident obviously and well you know what I won't say that now I'll talk about that in my score. I'll talk about what's evident in my score about the writing about this show. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I think we're going to also talk real quick about our first tropes and maybe any goofs that we're able to spot. Um, Mark, I, I had a, basically one of each or a couple of each this week. What did you come up with? Well, I, I kind of tipped my hand a little bit to the tropes. We talked about PBJ, Punching Bag Jerry, obviously yep. with Murinol, which is now infamous. Yep. Um, the the tom omg open mouth grin um yeah. again when when paul iresco says he likes the shapes and he's like bing and looks at the camera um you know i tried to reason with myself that maybe overprepared leslie belonged in here but i i think maybe i was reaching i was thinking like when leslie was going around to the different places in, in pawnee looking for mural inspiration but you know what i don't know that that's overprepared. i think that's just the way leslie rolls i think it is the way she rolls um yeah. i'd agree with that yeah How about you I, well, so I had a, I, I kind of split my, a couple of my tropes are first, but um, they're not on my first list, just to be clear, because, you know, I wanted to make the distinction between the things that just happen to be the first time we ever see them and the things that, yes, maybe it's the first time we see them, but we'll see them again. Right. So from a first perspective, I've got, it's the first appearance of Sewage Show, right? Right. Yeah. We're going to see him again. Uh, it's the first appearance of Kyle, you know, this random city hall employee who is a frequent customer at Andy's shoeshine stand. And frequently gets abused. Well, and you're on to something. Hold on. Hold on to oh, that. Sorry. For a sorry. No, you're all good. Uh, first of, and only, unfortunately, appearance of, uh, you know, Chief Connor, Fire Chief Connor. I think, uh, you know, we, we I think we see the police chief more than we see the fire chief. But, you know. Oh, definitely yeah. the first time we saw him and i wrote it was also the first time that i i wrote down it's with leslie as the queen of the parks department power dynamic and, and here's what i meant by that okay um and i'll talk more about it but i'll just say right now this is the first time that leslie's kind of in charge of the group um 
you know, there's that moment where she tells everyone what to do. And they're like, you can't tell us what to do. And she says, Ron, tell him I said what to do. And he's, he supports her on it. That, that is a, this is the first time that happens. And that's pretty much the same dynamic as long as they're both in these roles. And that that's the norm from here out. And it just dawned to me, that's the first time we've seen it. Huh. Leslie's kind of in charge, even though she's not officially the top of the, the food chain here, yeah. but she's running the team. She is. And I, I think it's a combination of Ron's, I'll admit it, Ron's apathy. Yeah, also absolutely. That Ron, also that Ron respects the hell out of her. I, I agree with, I agree with both those. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, from a trope perspective, you're right. Uh, you, you're exactly right. I wrote PBK, punching bag Kyle, right? I mean, we've already talked about <laughs> PBJ, right? Nice. Punching bag Jerry. But well, really, you know, everybody, there there are more than one punching bag. Why limit yourself to one? And, you know, Kyle certainly becomes Andy's. You know, we're allowed to have more than one legacy. Can we not also you. have more than one punching bag? <laughs> That's right. I mean, you've got two kinds of music, country and Western. Yep. So. I counted them both. Yep. Uh, and then I wrote from a trope perspective, it's really the the launch of the, or at least the first time we know about, and it will continue a little, this parks versus sewage, uh, you know, thing. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, you this know. harkens me back, Mark, uh, you know, with all these rivalries, you know, to uh, West Wing season one, episode eight, enemies, um, which I'm sure we're all familiar with, you know. Uh, we realized that the parks department, you know, much like, you know, the folks in the West Wing, uh, you, you create enemies when you've been in power for a while. You, you certainly do. It's a it's a hairy, hairy place to be. You know, that that's why her mother told her red tape is our pants. It's to that's cover right. But, yep. yeah, very good point. Good callback. And then the only other thing I had here was a goof and, uh, really? and I didn't notice it. I saw it documented by someone else. Apparently, if you pay real close attention in some of the uh, storyline B plot, um, you know, there's points at which Ron's pants are rolled up and then not rolled up. And, you know, there's some continuity gaffes there, but, you know, uh, I called it Ron pant, pant length though gate, but it, I don't think we're selling it. <laughs> You don't think that's going to make headlines? I don't. I think other things might get more attention in this episode, like the the awkward moan. Just slightly. Yeah, Just slightly. you might be right. You yeah. know, I, I had, I put this as a fun fact, but really I think this is just an indication of how unobservant I am, which is yeah. a totally different category um, <laughs> and comes up much more than I'm comfortable admitting. Um, you know, I, I, I clearly didn't remember city manager Paul Iresco because he, he doesn't show up a lot and he's not he's not someone who comes to the forefront a lot at least the first time I watched the series I didn't remember who he was and now I'm paying a little bit more close attention and I realize Paul Iresco goes all the way back to if I'm not mistaken canvassing the season one episode two where Correct. he kind of says hey Ron can we fast track this I mean I That's think right. that was him right it was. I right. think at that point we noted, you know, all the guest stars, which I forgot to do today, and I'll, I'll do it real quick just to make up for it. But um, yeah, that, you know, that character, I think, appears maybe three times, three or four times. It's, right. you know, this may be the last. I'm not positive because, again, now that we've got this Ron Leslie dynamic thing, I think what you're going to see functionally happen is Leslie's in charge of the department, but Ron's in charge of Leslie. And then Paul just kind of disappears. We don't feel like Ron's got a this kind of overreaching or even at all any kind of superior watching what he does from here out. At least I don't remember it. I, I may be wrong. Well, you know what? You might be right, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. I think that he at least has one more mention because, that could you be. know, 
yeah. he isn't always city manager. Someone else comes along and is city manager, point. and we're told why, but I don't know if it's with him on the scene. No, good, good point. Very good point. And we'll, we'll hit that episode later, but you're exactly right. You know, just, just to, to make sure we tick all of our boxes off today, yep. you know, from the guest stars perspective, obviously, you know, the actor who played Paul Aresco was back, but we had Kirk Fox, you know, as Joe head of the sewage department, it's kind of his first gig as a guest star. Sewage Joe. Yep. Sewage Joe. And then, you know, the fire chief Connor played by Barry Sig Sigzamondi. Bless I'm going to go with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Andy Forrest is Kyle. So there you go. Oh, yeah. PBK. That's so PBK. good. I like that. Yeah, I like that as well. Mark, I think we're at that point where we're going to take a real quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about character development and we'll score the episode. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. We'll be back, everybody. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. I am here to talk to you today about the PSAU otherwise known as Pawnee School of the Arts University. I prefer to call it Peesaw, mostly because it gives me a chuckle. Speaking of chuckles, I do not typically tend to support the arts. It is not in my nature to become excited at something that looks like the sick aftermath from a lizard on a Skittles bender. However, today I will make an exception. I do this in honor of my employee, Tom Haverford. You see, I recently saw that young man so emotionally affected by mere shapes in a simple abstract painting that he actually emitted liquid from his eyeball sockets. And, like me, Tom is rarely moved by art, nor does he usually respond to shapes found outside the confines of the glitter factory. Therefore, in his honor... I shall grit my teeth and stoically muddle through this as only a Swanson can. The PSAU, or PSAW, is a place. A place where students do the arts. What are the arts, you ask? I honestly do not know about art, but I do know about canvas, which, in sheet form, is the most versatile object known to man. It can be used to make tents, backpacks, shoes, stretchers, sails, tarpaulins, and, I suppose, in the most dire of circumstances, it can be a surface on which one can make art. So, in conclusion, canvas is good, and, therefore, art is at least as good as the canvas on which it exists. So, if you have a hankering for the arts then perhaps it would make sense for you to visit a school for that very thing. And, in that case, why not make it the Pawnee School of the Arts University? Tell them Ron's, or, or better yet, tell them Tom sent you. Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, I know we just said we're going to talk about character development and score this, but I did want to mention one thing that occurred to me, and, yeah. and I don't know if you remember it the same way, but when there's that awkward moment where Ron is giving Andy his money and they're trying not to touch each other. Yeah. Did he give him like 20 bucks or something? Like, wasn't it more than the $5 for the shoe shine? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I mean, oh it, feel, it felt like hush money to me. Like, let's never speak of this again, son. 
that is so funny i mean first of all if you're right good catch because yeah. i clearly didn't notice that viewers uh, at home check out this scene and tell us if, if alan's right yeah i i'm gonna go back and look at it too we'll weigh in next week but i'm pretty sure nicely done yeah all right well Let's talk real quick then about character development. I know that, you know, we, we try to kind of look at, you know, yes, it's a comedy, but we're very interested. And I think if you've been listening to the show or you've seen this about us by now, that we like to really kind of track, you know, what's happening with these people and their, you know, these fake people in their character lives. You know, uh, we've, we've talked about Andy's journey to this, to this point and Tom's um, and they've both and, and Mark, really the three of them, I think, especially have all kind of been topics of conversation because they started in places we didn't love them. Right. And they're, they've all three really kind of come into their own and kind of settled into the characters that we like and that will be here for as long as their characters are around, which, you know, uh, you know, spoiler alert, maybe not so long for Mark. <laughs> what? What do you say? I know. No, I, no you're right. Um, yeah. I, well, you know, Alan, if you don't mind, I'll kind of launch into what I had for this. Um, yeah. So first of all, I like to think about it in terms of what pairings the episode supports you know like for example the subplot was clearly about ron and andy and in doing that i think it kind of strengthened the relationship that they had or at least let us the audience realize that ron is starting to admire andy and initially why would ron even care who the hell andy was andy was a nobody andy was the boyfriend of the nurse yeah <laughs> who he yeah. claims to not even remember her name that's a good point um, so he's starting to like really admire him you know and as far as andy <clears throat> it's it's really nice to see him take pride in his work and also to be happy and productive i alan i like this andy you know i do too and i hope it's shades of things to come i know it is in fact yeah um for, for, for andy i noted you know his career is taking off and it's kind of and we talked about this last week but you know he's really kind of becoming one of the gang and we see that here and they're going to double down on it in the next episode but i mean this is really kind of really cementing his place in the you know his reason for being in every episode that's right that's right well said yeah um and also some really nice heart moments some some nice um character develop well, I mean, character relationship moments between ron and andy i think i mean despite yeah. the awkwardness despite um, the awkwardness yes not to mention one of the funniest freaking scenes in the entire series oh my gosh yeah no um, good point now the other thing is the, the the main plot if you will they did something that i really 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 like what was they that? made extreme good use of their deep comedic bench Yep. You know, I, I mean, know like instead of saying that the main plot was a Leslie and Anne story or the main right. plot was a Leslie and Mark story. Nope. It's all seven. And yeah. all seven had really pretty good screen time. You know, you know, Mark, um, I had Constantine actually go and measure this. Oh, really? Nice. Not screen time per se, but which was difficult to do. And Constantine's still getting his calculator out. But um, we did count number of lines for each of the characters. And you're right. I mean, on balance, if you throw out our two anomalies, which are Leslie on the high end at sure. 183 and Jerry at the low end, who somehow only had seven lines, he had a much bigger impact on the episode, I think, than seven lines. Yes. But, you know, still kind of at the low end. Mostly visual. Mostly visual. If you throw the two of them out, basically you've got April with 30-something lines, Andy with 30-something lines, Donna with 23 lines, Mark with 40 lines, 
uh, Ron with 50 lines, Andy with 50 lines, Tom with 79 lines. I mean, it's just, you know, a little Tom heavy there, I guess. But at the end of the day, you know, a lot of those have been counted in single digits. And when it's a Leslie Tom story or a Leslie whoever story, you know, to your point, absolutely, far more balance here. Yeah, and, and we get some great scenes and some great interactions, some great combinations that we wouldn't get otherwise. Um, there was there was one exchange, and I won't go into extreme detail or anything, but where they're um, discussing whose uh, project they're going to scrap, like because it was a six way tie, remember? Right. And then they're like, "Well, whose right. can we eliminate?" And April says, "Well, no offense, Ann, but yours is a giant picture of a park. That's not art." And Ann's like, "Well, at least it's not a fat human hamster eating meat." He's like, you don't even work here. <laughs> and Leslie's like, okay, you both have a point. And yours was trite. And April, yours would make someone vomit. And April's like, thank you. <laughs> She's going to mollify him. <laughs> and then that's where Tom starts launching into the shapes. Look, there's something about the shapes. There's emotional art right there. April, yeah. any kid could do that. Tom, no kid could do that. Only God could do that. Donna's screeching. What is so great about the shapes? I mean, just this <laughs> rapid fire exchange from everybody. It's This is when I think they're at their best. Yeah, no, it was good. And the shapes definitely were a co-star of this episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. They're almost like a guest star. They really were. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think the other thing I noted, and I've already said it, but just kind of while we're covering character development, you know, Leslie has become the leader of the team, the de facto leader. Ron, yes, is is functionally the the head in charge, but on a daily basis, Leslie is now the leader of this team. And I think we're just going to see that kind of be the way everyone shows up and they're going to defer to Leslie. And, you know, if you think back to episode one and two and three, um, you know, Leslie was a bit of a goof and, you know, yeah. they I would say they were at times making fun of her as much as they've ever made fun of Jerry. Uh, yes. but they've of course corrected now. And they, this is, you know, they've done what we, what we like about the show. And, you know, Leslie is the heart of that department and she's the de facto leader of the team. Well, you know what, that, that's very well said. I, I, um, I wrote something very similar, but a little different. I said, in my opinion, Leslie walks a great line here between a team boss and a team leader oh, you know okay. she she has several funny lines as always but she takes a little bit of a backseat not wow. a lot because you know to the rest of the cast and to very effective results and i think that she had some great you know heart moments again between her and the gang in general i think yep. they all have a lot of pride and i think you're right i think they are following her because in their own right they respect her you know mark this this is a bit of foreshadowing if you will that you made me think of to uh boss bitch bitch boss yeah <laughs> you know it yeah you're right yeah. i didn't think about that i mean this power dynamic is what's going to make that possible for sure i mean it's a different circumstance i suppose later but um yeah but not really not not at the end of the day the relationships are the same alan i only had one other uh note to make i guess regarding the character development stuff yeah um you know, I know that I've bagged on Mark in the in the past because sure. he, by nature, he's more of a straight man. You right. Know? And, and you're the better Mark. I am clearly the better Mark. Yeah. Um, except I have no drawing skill. Um, and and you it, got more it, seasons. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope so. Oh, mm -hmm. Poor guy. Anyway, you know, I, I know we've talked about Mark serving best as straight man, and he does that best when he's when he's paired with with wacky comedy people. You know, so like that's why the Mark and Ann dynamics eh, sometimes fizzles a little bit. I think Mark served in his best capacity 
in this show, which is A, to play off the other zany characters, okay. B, to be the voice of reason, and C, to help move the plot along. And I feel like he did all three of those here. He had some good lines. He had some good scenes. He had some good heart moments. So like he, he played to his strengths. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. That's all I had. Well, you know, I, I think that's a good segue then, Mark. You know, l- let's get into scoring this thing because I, I, that's all I had as well. And, you know, I think we, we definitely like to cover the character arcs because I think in lots of ways they do tend to influence the score that we give to these episodes. Agreed. So who do you want to go first? Um, I, I was told today that you had asked Constantine to tell me that you would like to go first. Yeah. But I, I, what I actually had him do was give you a note. Do you want me to go first circle? Yes or no. So, you know, <laughs> you never got back to me. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to think here. Uh, well, you know, I may or may not be interested in you going first. I don't know. <laughs> You're just going to have to wander like every other middle schooler. Wow. Well, I was never good at that, but okay. No. Well, I'll tell you what, even better. I'll go first. Go first. <clears throat> All right. Well, as I uh, implied at the, well, I didn't implied, I said it at the very beginning of the podcast, this is one of those episodes I realized I had forgotten over the yeah. years. Yeah. And watching it, oh my gosh, Alan, I was pleasantly surprised to say the least at how freaking good of an episode this was. Um, you know, uh, AV Club Leonard Pierce, we all know him, uh, <laughs> ha- had a good way to describe. I call him Uncle Leonard, but yeah. Well, he told me to tell you to, he doesn't like that and to circle yes or no, whether you understand. Um, He had a good way to describe this episode. (laughs) He said, just very simply, great lines, strong personality driven comedy and good character moments. And I I think that that's true. It's like every, every single character, every single one had, I would say some pretty strong moments in this episode. Like maybe the weakest point, if I had to try and like vote the weakest link, maybe was Anne. And even she did pretty good. Yeah. You know? Well, and she, we've said this before, she's frequently the weakest link, I suppose, in terms of, you know, she's the supportive friend. She's the moral right. compass. Right. Uh, she's the sidekick. You know, she she's not Leslie, right? Exactly. And yet, like if I look at the number of lines she got, it was near the top. I mean, it was like the fourth most. She got more than April. She got more than she got more than Donna. Right. Yeah. More than Jerry. Yeah, so she's not you know, she's yeah. not Leslie, but she's a good Leslie counterpoint. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um there was so much in this that was just really really funny including one of the funniest scenes ever i know i keep saying that but oh my gosh i mean if there's anyone listening to this who doesn't know what i'm referring to please 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 go watch this scene and i dare you not to laugh out loud Um, but in addition you know i like to talk about my two yardsticks right there's the funny and then there's the heart and there were a lot of personal connections and there's not the name of a band the funny and the heart Oh no, my no. gosh. That, That's the head and the heart. Never mind. There's Sorry. a lawsuit about that. I can't talk about that. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, what we've said in the past, I think, is that when you have this much heart and this much uh, history in the universe, it just becomes fun to watch. Like, regardless of whether there's ha-ha moments and funny one-liners all the time, it's just fun being there. It's fun to see these people interact. And I think this had this maybe more strongly than any episode to date, or at least as strong. Um, okay. And, 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 you know, it was also tremendously, tremendously funny and well-written. Um, 
you know, I know we already said this, but it bears repeating again. We've talked about how good this show's comedic bench is, and it's a shame when some of the ensemble doesn't get to shine. And it, that happened here, freaking big time. Like they that this was outstanding. Um, so in closing, Alan, I was stunned. I was stunned at how good of an episode this was, especially for one that I sort of forgot. Yeah. So, all right, <clears throat> score time. All right, here we go. Here we go. A score. I'm, I'm, I'm squaring myself here. I don't know what you're talking about. Base. Oh, you know what? That's a good idea. I am going to do base score from now on. Um, so, Alan, my base score is, uh, I, I'm going to give this one a base score of 4.5. This is my my highest one. I think it tied with last week's. So yeah, I you had 4.5 last week as well. Yep. yep. I got some bonus points. Okay. So, so first, I'm going to give a point to a great plot with, Leslie, Donna, Jerry, and April, and Tom, and Mark, all kind of doing their thing and working together. That's fantastic. Um, the plot was good, but I also want to give another bonus point just for a fantastic job using their deep comedic bench. Maybe the best they've done to date, in my opinion. Yep. I'm going to make this very quick. One point for Ron making the noise. <laughs> it's it's so freaking funny i can't i almost can't stand it how funny yeah. this is yeah. um and you know cringy isn't always funny but in this case it right. was yeah and i'm gonna give another point for the andy ron subplot i thought that in its own way it was as good as the um plot with with the rest of the cast members in its own way you know it was very compact and funny in its own way and, yeah. and you know like i said had one of the funniest scenes um and i'm going to give another half a point because of all the nice heart moments you know uh, seeing andy proud of doing a good job seeing ron be proud of him seeing the gang defending each other's choices to the judges seeing leslie become the de facto team leader like you pointed out that's worthy of another half point so, Alan, you total up all these points, and I'll cut to the chase. I, I, I don't want to do it, but I feel <laughs> like I have to. I have a new high score. I have a nine. I have a nine. It's another freaking high score. I would have never guessed that we would have come off of the high of Ron and Tammy with my boy last week and stayed at that level, but we did that, and then we exceeded it, in my opinion. So, yep, nine little Sebastians. Now, there you go. Top that. I'm a little stunned. I got to be honest, you know, I mean, here's what I will say that we had in common for sure. And a lot, in fact, um, but, but oh, I wrote this down. going to be the first score where we really differ. Oh, oh no, here we go. Not, not majorly. Here we but go. I'll, I'll say this. Look, okay. my memory of this episode was far, far like yours. I think, well, I wouldn't say I'd forgotten it. I'd say I remembered it. I didn't remember loving it. Or maybe I had convinced myself I didn't even like it that much. Um, my memory of it's far less generous than when now that I've watched it. And I, and I said this before, and I, I wonder if this is true. You know, you and I are watching these episodes through this really super critical lens. And right. we're analyzing, you know, with some some regular kind of process for that we each kind of have trying to figure out, you know, what we like about them on, on kind of those two yardsticks, as you put it. Right. 
um, looking for kind of the overall, you know, growth of the characters and the, the show itself, frankly, from all the way from season one to season, season seven. And, and I know early on, we were both felt like we were kind of holding back some points because we right. were kind of waiting for the perfect episode or whatever. And I think we've both kind of thrown that out now, which is good. Um, and I had just really forgotten how good this episode is. Right. I would say that it, you know, should get the highest marks for best use of ensemble to date for sure. Um, you know, it's the first episode, like I said, where Leslie's kind of in charge and, and, and you know, Ron has deferred power to her. And, and I think that's important in what happens next. Um, the B story uh, is, is kind of short, if you will, but in majorly impactful because of how funny it is. Um, you know, and, and sometimes B stories feel like they're byproducts of the A story. You know what I mean by that? Yes. Um, I don't know that this one did necessarily. It just felt like another story, but it didn't feel in conflict or, uh, you know, and it didn't necessarily even necessarily balance things out. It just, you know, Ron wasn't going to be part of this mural thing. He didn't care about that. Uh, you know, his, his version of art is, you know, bacon and eggs on his wall, right? Although he did <laughs> like Mark's sketch. He did like Mark's sketch. That's a great point. But, you know, it's motel art. So, yes, <laughs> self-admittedly. Um, but, you know, I, I, I really did like this episode. I was surprised at how good it is and how well written it is. I mean, generally, you know, some of the things that occurred to me as I was watch, as kind of doing my breakdown were just how tight and good the writing and the comedy execution are on this show to the degree that you really i think that's one of the reasons i undersold it in my memory right they're just those things stand don't stand out because they're so good at them that they've almost become too subtle and you forget that they're there you know what i mean yeah i i certainly do so it makes it really easy to think later or forget about an episode like this being as good as it frankly is. And you have to kind of watch it critically like we've done here to really go, wow, that's not a 6.5 show, you know, um, right. this was up there. Okay. Now that being said, we agree on all those things. I wasn't quite as generous as you were. I, again, I tend to do the thing where I look at like a, another show where Ron and Tammy I gave that an 8.5. That was my highest score to date. And I feel like if I had to weigh the two against each other, and maybe sure. that's not the right way to do this, I, I, I like this episode just slightly less. And right. where I landed was at eight. And, and I can tell you, I would not, just based on my memory, I would never have given this show, this, this episode, Eight Little Sebastians, simply based on the way I remembered it from watching it, you know, five or six years ago. Right, right. Well, you know what? I, as always, I, I I can respect your reasoning. Um, you, you're clearly wrong. Um, well, of you, course. But no, I I you know what? We've had a couple of just stellar episodes. Yeah. I mean, it, these are two of the best, and I can understand the nuances here. How um, I might go and, up a and comparing right episodes, now. you know, to each other is a little bit like comparing your kids to each other, right? I mean, I have a favorite. <laughs> I know. Oh, sorry. I mean, they're all the same. <laughs> right. I, I only have one, so she is my favorite. But you know, you know, you shouldn't do that. And yet it's it's hard not to in some ways, right. especially right. when you're watching one after another. So I don't know. I, I I again, solid episode. I will not argue with you on that. Very, well, very good. One thing you said too that I'll I'll bring up uh, again. I know I've brought it up in the past, is I I like to use the the great, great show. 
uh, arrested development as kind yeah. of a, a yardstick for um, a, a well-written, intelligent show with a lot of subtle le levels of details and, 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 and nuances. And it's very easy to miss some really, really clever, funny things yeah. if you don't pay close attention. And I think I've also mentioned in the past that because I am now, as you pointed out, you know, we're both looking at this critically. I am being forced to take the time to look at this critically. And, and I'll tell you, I know for a fact, I, I found several things in this episode that there's no chance that I would have, I, I won't say no chance, but I would have easily glossed over them if I was just kind of casually watching it. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. It was so well written and so well done. I think maybe I would only have scored this a nine if I were looking at it critically like this. Well, that's interesting because you, you do you look at a movie review or a television show review and you'll frequently see, you know, and, and there, there are obviously different scoring matrices for these things. I think everyone's familiar with that. The critic score versus the audience score. Right. Right. And, and I think what you tend to see in that is the audience simply generally and I'm overgeneralizing, of course, watches for just the the entertainment value where the critic is using some sort of rubric to determine and measure how well they executed on certain aspects of of that drama or comedy or whatever the genre is and because we're doing that we're we're giving extra emphasis and consideration to things that you might not if you were just watching this show casually and you know you might go hey that was pretty funny but it wasn't one of their best right and and i think i saw a lot of that type of commentary out there from people who talked about this you know, as viewers <laughs> of the show, um, not necessarily our podcast, but um, but if you look at the critic reviews of this in in retro, um, they are more generous, a lot like our scores are here as well. So um, I, I think we're, you know, I, I think we got this one. Yeah. Yeah. Good episode. Yeah. Well, I thanks everybody for listening. As always, be sure to check us out on our social media platforms, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. Um, come by the website at www, if you still do that, livefrompawnee.com. <laughs> it's optional. And uh, we've got a new thing right on the homepage where you can click and send us a quick email and let us know your thoughts about the show. We would love to hear from you. We'd love your feedback. Um, we'd like to hear if you like the new format. And, uh, and, you know, if you want us to, or if you want us to change back, would you, do you really want us to talk about these things for three hours? Or are you pretty good with the slightly shorter format? <laughs> I know how I vote. Me too. All right. Well, everybody, we'll be back next week with the hunting trip. And we're really looking forward to breaking down that episode for you. All right. See you later. See you, everybody. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us. Music